0: All right, Kiss Army, welcome to the Kiss FAQ podcast. Thank you for letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a Kiss related podcast by the board for the board. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode 33 of the Kiss FAQ podcast. Joining me today is Ken, 69th Blizzard on the board, Lonnie, who does not support St. Louis, but is St. Louis Kiss on the board. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we beat you two out of three times this week, Yeah, so. all, all is you're for- out of the second wild card right
0: now. All is not forgiven, <laughs> but it is, of course. And Marcus <laughs> Almighty, Mark, welcome back, gentlemen. Uh, good to see you all on this, well, cloudy Sunday, uh, Friday morning. So let's jump straight into the topic today, because uh, we're talking Alive 3, and for me, it's a love-hate album. Obviously, I'm late to the Kiss show, becoming a, ban- uh, a fan in 1985. So I'd never experienced the joy of an Alive album coming out during my life, until obviously Alive came out, Alive Three came out in 1992 um, or 1993, in it, while I was drugged up on meds with a broken leg. Um, So it came out. My mom visited me and brought me Alive 3, and it did not make me feel better when I compared it to the other two. So I've always wondered, did they leave it too late to release Alive 3? And that's going to be the basic premise of uh, this discussion, is when should KISS have released Alive 3? With the first two Alives following groups of three studio albums, would it have made sense to have done it um, after Creatures? Since the elder wasn't toured for and really doesn't count um, to the band, so I mean, let's jump right in. What we'll, um, you know with that that first question, then we'll get into some other details about the album. Ken, what's your what's your take on it? Because obviously, you know. Well, my take is,
2: um, you know, they were doing three albums, then a, a live album, three li- albums, a live album. I thought they were going to do the same thing going for it but they really couldn't um i don't think with um dynasty unmasked and the elder um, <laughs> <Boy>. <laughs> i don't think they played anything live from those except maybe i was made for loving you um, so <clears throat> 2000 but, man yeah 2000 man um but Shandy? uh i thought yes. <laughs> i thought they would have The the more opportune time would have been a little later since I wouldn't have wanted any original uh, material that was on the other two live albums. That's the way they did it, right? Live one and uh, a live two did not have any like songs on it, and I liked it that way. Um, So I expected live three to be that way. It wasn't. Um, I was hoping it would be maybe the opportune time would have been after um, Asylum. For me, that would have been the opportune time. Now I don't know if they would be able to do a whole enough a concert that they just used all those newer songs um, from starting from I guess Dynasty through Asylum, Um, but I think they would have could have taken from different live shows where they did play some of those songs or even those tours. Pull from uh, Dynasty Tour, pull from the Creatures Tour, pull from the you know Lick It Up Tour, and so on, all the way up to Asylum, and release that as a live, live three, and then just have all the new songs.
0: Do you think Uh, they could have been brave enough to do like what a lot of bands do—is take recordings from different years? I think Guns N' Roses put out Live—I can't can't remember what the album was called. Yeah, so they they took a whole bunch of uh, different eras and combined it into one live album motley Crue's entertainment or death of course was the same kind of model could kiss have done that to have gotten it
3: Rush did it too with the
2: show of hands
0: did they for that one
2: yeah
0: good yeah, call so good call
2: it's possible um you know i would have liked to have seen the, the you know all of eric carr on all the tracks um versus uh, pulling a 79 track with Peter's uh, diminishing st- you know, drumming at that point. Um but uh I would have liked it all live uh, with Eric Carr, you know, get his due.
0: Yeah, and I, I think for me personally, and I don't know how revisionist I'm being to myself, but you know, becoming a fan in eighty five and then them saying that we're gonna take a year off to, you know, wait for Ron Nevison to do crazy nights, I always felt like even back then it was an ideal time to throw something out there. I I was taking note I had notebooks, you know, writing down the song titles and the albums and all that, and I'm like, Well, there's gonna be a gap here. You know, they gotta release something. So even before I think of Eric Carr, I think of they should have just put something out in eighty six to kinda tide you over when, you know, we had Animalize Live Uncensored come out. You know, an album version of that, if nothing. But uh Lonnie, what's your take?
3: Yeah,
1: um, you know they had the formula of the three of the three studio and then and then the live album. And, you know, it, it with Kiss waning in their popularity at the time after the Creatures of the Night tour. You know, I really don't think it would have worked at that point in time because of where the band was and they were really going through a crisis at the time of where what's our next move because we really just failed um, on a tour in the United States. Yeah, we had success um, down in South America, but. It really wasn't the the right time to capitalize on on something like a live album, and I think it just would have really fallen short. Um, I think the timing, and I think this is the most fun thing to discuss about Kiss Alive Three is is the timing of the album, and if, you know, a lot of people weren't happy that when it came out in '93 that, well, why should Eric Singer be featured on? A live Kiss album. He's only done one proper tour with the band at this point. Um, Yeah, Bruce had been around for quite a while by then, but you know, and you're still fresh off the death of Eric Carr. It's still pretty fresh in your mind, especially when you, yeah, it was two years later, but when you thought about Kiss, you would still think about, you know, Eric Carr being gone. And the fact that Eric didn't get his proper due in being featured on a live Kiss album. Um, was really a shame in a lot of fans' eyes because Eric was incredible. I was, an, I never got the opportunity to see Eric live, but Eric was an incredibly live drummer, and you know he's just fantastic behind the kit, and really gave Kiss a new life when he came into when he came into the fold. So I think the more opportune time to release. A, um, and a live three would have been, you know, there is the g- the good gap right there between animal eyes and a, you know, between asylum and crazy nice. You know, where there's really nothing there just to keep the band um, visually and just keep the band, you know, in in the eyes in, in you know, agri record store. Cause you gotta remember record stores he, were you know what's the place to go at the time? Even yeah. if you weren't going to buy anything. You just go and hang out. Oh, look, there's a new Kiss release. Just just for the sake of going, you know. I remember just going to the record store as a kid. You know and just hand, even if I wasn't gonna buy anything and just go there and just look around for an hour you know and that's that's something that's really lost today but you know i I think that, you know the other one too is right after analyzing using that show from from Detroit as as an alive three would have been more would have been better than where they ended up doing it I know the song the production of that maybe people don't like the production that Julie made a face when I said that yeah. but uh <laughs> You know, the band sounds a little different there than what we're used to, what we think Kiss should sound like live. But.
0: Sound like the Bloody it, Chipmunks. i <laughs> playing so you know, fast. To,
1: to re, you know, and and um, to echo what Ken was saying, that I really liked as a kid when I, you know, I didn't, I'm like Julian, I didn't, you know, experience a live one coming out and I didn't experience a live two coming out. You know, I went back and bought them. And I like the fact that you know, there wasn't repeats on any, on those two albums. And it was a shame that we'll get into the track listing on that later, I guess. But I, I liked that. And like, but I bought a live one. I got all, oh, I have all these live versions of, of these songs. And a live two to have all these live versions of these songs. Um, I think a live three should have followed the same formula in that you would have gotten a lot of live versions of these '80s songs. You know, and if it had been released earlier than when it was in '93, the setlist would have been more conducive for an album like that. When they were basically playing a lot of those '80s songs before they went back and started revisiting old songs from the catalog. So, my my I would like I would like to have seen it come out maybe after Animalize and before Asylum around in that period.
0: What about in the little gap following Eric Carr's death? Wasn't that like a, a really well, missed you know, opportunity to honor him?
1: I got that written down too, actually. Um, I think like one of those Detroit shows um, from the Hat Mache tour would have been an excellent time to do it. Just, you could call it a live three, you know, properly dedicate the album to Eric Carr as opposed to just a blurb in the Batman Revenge that it's dedicated to Eric Carr, you know, and really make the album about Eric Carr. You could put on the drum solo from one of those shows and, you know, really feature him as a drummer and celebrate him and what he and what he contributed to the band from 1980 to 1991. You know, that I think other than, like I said, after Animalize, I think that would actually have been my second choice is after Hot in the Shade to bridge the gap to before Revenge and just to celebrate Eric Carr and all his accomplishments.
0: Totally. Marcus, what's your take yes. on this so far?
3: Well, um, I, I'm going to s- approach this from, a, I guess, a view that people are going to probably rub me for the wrong way, I guess, of course, again, but um, <laughs> we don't need I anything. think that uh, <laughs> the, the, the gap <clears throat> between uh, Asylum and Creatures of the Night would have been the smart place to do it, but of course, this is being kissed, so they're not going to do the smart thing, obviously, they're going to, you know they're going to miss the opportunity. Like they always miss other things around that time. So they let that go. Personally, I think the best time to do it would have been right after hot in the shade because Hot in the Shade was the tour where they came back. Everything was starting to roll for them. The shows were starting to fill up again. Everybody was on the KISS bandwagon again. I mean, Paul Stanley was more than happy to stay in all their shows. He would keep announcing what the attendances were at his show. We had 12,000 here last year, and this year we got 100 more than last time. So he's, he was kind of hyping that all the time that they were on a roll, and you know they were playing really well. I thought that was one of the best tours I've think ever seen like I'm not, i didn't see it personally like in concert but i mean on the bootlegs i've seen it was definitely awesome but um you know again just like in old kiss history they missed the boat again little too late little late to the show as usual they do it on you know revenge instead of doing it in hot in the shade which is you know again them taking a good idea but of course being a year late with everything as usual so i think they should have did it in hot in the shade i mean like you said as well that it would have been a nice tribute to eric carr had they have done it then too i think that would have also you know probably have helped it sell a bit more too being a tribute to him you know that that they have made a record with him on it um as far as the you know you guys talking about the track listing with you know being all new songs on it which you guys would have wanted i just don't think that that would have worked because frankly the 80s material and kiss fans' eyes is just nowhere near as strong as the stuff from the makeup days. So, and they acknowledge that with the with that set list in that tour because look at how much of the stuff they started putting back in from the old stuff. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with doing that. I mean, as long as the the set flows and the record is strong, then who cares if they put in Detroit Rock City or if they put in I Stole Your Love? Frankly, I would have loved to have them put in I Stole Your Love first on that. It would have been awesome. They played it really well and why not put it in but frankly i think that they should have did it right after hot in the shade it would have been a perfect tribute to eric carr and i think that it would have been a much better idea for an alive three than the one with
0: eric singer yeah i mean i I gotta say i agree with you and i felt that you know in 89 90 you know in the hot in in the shade era, it suddenly felt like kiss were back on top you're looking in the Rock Mags, and you know, there are these awesome pictures of that tour. There was Paul looking like leadership material again, um, yeah. in, instead of like a circus freak, and Gene for that matter as well. Come on, those 80s looks, you know, were not, you know, <laughs> very, very good in hindsight or even at the time for that matter. Um,
2: yeah.
0: you know, so hot in the shade tour, they're really they're reinvigorated and obviously we do we 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 can say a lot of that does come down to the 70s material that came back into the set but they also had a really good balance i mean i've been looking through some of the sets um excuse me to compare you know these tours and when i thought that the live album would have made the most sense and hot in the shade i mean they could never have done another kind of like alive alive 2 format where all the songs had not been released live before because come on that that idea was on its last legs on the live too when they're having to throw in stuff like tomorrow and tonight you know which to me is just filler um they never did perform it live so it's fake at that point it's already done and i mean we know the contractual reasons for live side four live two side four but you know i think they needed a pure live album and 89 is probably the best set i I listened to Animalize live and yeah, I made that face because that's not Kiss to me, you know. Even though it was my Kiss at the time, I I just absolutely abhor that video. Um, I like the stage, you know, that's cool, but I don't like the performances. I don't like the speed, the tempo, or the sound. So hot in the
3: shade.
0: Yeah, hot hot in the shade would have been the best time or. You know, even coming off Crazy Nights, that was a big worldwide tour. I mean, that was bigger in the world than it was in North America. Um, The downside, of course, would be that it would have included Bang Bang You on an album for a second time. (laughs) And I don't think I can think of anything worse than that. No, no, no. Maybe maybe a live performance of my way. You know, just have all all the windows in the cars in the parking lot shattering as Paul hits those notes. Um...
2: (laughs) The
0: Frank Sinatra version, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, if only I'd take that any day. So I mean, that's another gap that would have made you know if they'd done it in '88, say instead of you know putting out. Let's put the. Uh, yeah. 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 That I mean, and if we're gonna revise history, yeah, revise those two songs away. But you um, know. Just gonna
2: find my nose. I kind of agree with you guys. Uh, that was my second choice, is right after uh, Hot in the Shade, because that was just a great. You know, uh, they were kind of back on track at that point, um, yeah. and it was a great show. I mean, I was at the show myself, and I think- of course we've seen it on video. And uh, they missed the opportunity there with the album. I mean, they could have had an album with folded open, and had the. This is what I imagine: that you had the folding open of the uh, album. And what happens is, you know like those books when you're a kid? Yeah. You oh, have pop, a pop-ups. Right. Have pop-ups. The Sphinx. So but the Sphinx pops up behind, and then the, the members pop up in front of them playing you know, with the guitar. <laughs> sure. a guitar. Sure. I said, that would be a cool little thing.
0: Well, can, can you rephrase that slightly from the members pop-up? Because that just doesn't sound right. <laughs> the,
2: the, the, uh, the members of Kiss. No, thank you. Hey, thank hey. you. Well, maybe I shouldn't
0: even see that actually that that would make a badass gatefold a totally badass one I mean if you look at the gatefold of alive two and all the all the design of albums was downhill after the originals era kind of um you know to have a pop up with Leon or the stage, you know even not going three dimensional like you suggest just the you, you take the best pictures that they take of the hot in the shade tour with the lasers what is it the water thing running across the front oh the ba- the backdrop and the band i mean that that remains impressive to me but do we all agree that alive 3 really should have been an eric Carr album uh Marcus? absolutely yeah? Yes. yeah
3: yes i mean i think just in just in hindsight i think the problem with uh if they would have tried to have done it after crazy nights i think the problem there was there was just too much craziness happening with the whole management being changed and they weren't even they didn't even seem to into it at that point I mean I kept reading stories about them having short sets and just trying to get it over and done with at that point so I don't think they were really into it at that point to make a live record so I think that would have been probably a, a non-starter there but I think I still think Hot in the Shade would have been the right time.
0: So they released Heavens on Fire the live version from Detroit 84 as a B side, in I think most non North American markets. Um, I think it was the Tears Are Falling single. Um, I mean, what are you guys' thoughts of Alive, Animalized, Live, Uncensored? Would that have made a decent Alive 3 had they taken that next step and not just done it as a video? And what year did that come out in a video? Was that 85 or 86? Whatever. But Lonnie.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was what I mentioned earlier. It would have been my, one of my first choices for it, right? right there at that Detroit show,
0: I think. Would you take that, you would take that show as it stands?
1: I would take it, you know, virtually as it stands. That's what the band sounded like at the time. Um, Bruce was in the band. Um, They were establishing Bruce as the new guitar player. And yeah, it would have been maybe almost the same, well, not even the same thing with Eric Singer not playing on, I mean, Bruce hadn't played Officially, yeah, he was in the studio for Animalize and that, but not officially. It would have been Bruce's first official album if they would have put it out there before Asylum. But, you know, I think the band was, was gaining some traction at the time, too, after the Heaven's on Fire single, after the Lick It Up single, the album before, and they were beginning to gain some traction back into the mainstream in America. Um, I think that could have been a, a decent time to do it, Um, considering what was going on musically at the time, you know, to put out a live album to kind of almost celebrate, you know, that we're back and going back to, you know, a set list and that they, they were playing quite a bit off of creatures at at the time, off of analytes at the time and look it up at the time, you know, going back to new songs on a live album, you could have gotten, you know, quite a few um, new tracks on the Kiss album, as opposed to what we got on Alive Three, you know, you have five songs that were on the other ones, or, or four songs that are on his predecessor, and you know, five songs off Revenge. I love Revenge, but you know, five songs off of one album when you didn't have any off of you only had one off of Hot and Shade, one off of Lick It Up, one off Animalize. You could have gotten a better sample of of songs if you would have done it then off of Animalize. And off of "Lick It Up" and off of "Creatures," I think you would have gotten a better, a better mix of of tracks if you would have done it at that time. And I think the band sounded good at the time too. You go, you go back and listen to that. Yeah, it sound is if the production's a little different. It's not what we're used to Kiss sounding like, but they were they were really tight with Bruce and Eric in the band at the time, in that era.
0: Ken, what's your take on Animalize Live Uncensored?
2: Um, yeah, it was good at the time. I mean, I would, I remember <laughs> at least watching that. Um, a lot at the time, and you know, I enjoyed it. Um, it was just the sound and, and uh, what it was was, you know, it was the time uh, where things sounded like that, and all these bands were coming out. They were playing, you know, maybe faster. That's why the, you know, Kiss turned up the speed a little bit there. Um, so it was just kind of a sign of the times. And uh, though I, I remember, I know I have it somewhere, but it's a CD, a live. Uh, I don't know. It was a bootleg or something that came out. Kiss Live was like radio something, and it was it was from the Animalize tour, and it was a pretty good quality. And uh, I was listening to it, and you know, I remember it was it was pretty good. So uh, that would have worked. It still would have worked. Um, kind of you thought with the video, you should, probably should have released the CD anyway. If you're gonna release the the long-form video, and Kasi might as well release it on CD also, you know, it just didn't make sense for them not to do that. Um, but I still would have rather them waited a little little bit longer either, like I said, after Asylum or uh, after, you know, Hot in the Shade was the, the other choice.
0: Yeah, I mean, we know that the Animalized tour wasn't the monster success, but it was, the album is purportedly the highest-selling studio album of the 1980s, so there there's no stats to really back that up with but it's always been you know suggested that it was close to being double platinum at one point um the only smash is certified at that point so on on one hand it seems that you know it would have made sense like you just said to, if you're releasing it on video and Laserdisc, why isn't there an audio companion of that that show and when i started thinking about this topic i was like but that show's so so short but in song, song-wise, it's only two songs less than Alive 3 as released, so, it, and it's got, you know, a pretty good mix of kind of the core material from the the 80s that you'd want to hear live, or at least I want to hear live, I mean, Creatures of the Night, Heaven's on Fire, Thrills of the Night, I Can Leave, Under the Gun, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. awesome, and to hear them at, you know, pretty close to as they were from the studio at the time, so... Um, and of course the the pair. I love it loud, and I still love you. You know, with Eric Carr on drums. Right. So yeah. you know that that I do like. Um, Mark.
3: Yeah. Well, um, I don't really have any issue as far as the show itself. I mean, other than the fact that. Yeah, they did kind of play this in hyper speed mode. But I think that has a bit to do with the fact that, you know, number one, they knew A, that they were filming it. And number two, I also, from what I remember, I'm pretty sure they said that they were doing a radio simulcast of that show at the same time. And usually when a band hears that something like that's happening, you know, there's extra. You know adrenaline going on you're excited you know things were starting to pick up for them again a bit more so you know the excitement's probably in the air for them yay maybe we're getting back up you know the people are reconnecting so hence i think that usually puts in a little bit more of the faster tempo and the excitement you know that comes back with that sort of thing um the the set list you know it's like you said it's a good it's a good combination of the songs that were out at the time i mean for me personally maybe i would have liked to see maybe one or two more older like makeup ones, but that's that's neither here nor there. But uh, I think when I have released that, you know, what I, I don't know. I think it's it's good, but I don't I don't know. It's I could have I could have did or did this or did without this. To be quite honest, I mean, it's just not something that I watch very often, and it's not really my favorite era. Kiss, to be honest with you, but um it's not bad. I mean. I don't know what else to say other than that, I mean, it's it's not a bad release, it's just like you said, I, I I just don't get the same vibe or feel off of this kind of a show that I did off like the Hot in the Shade. The Hot in the Shade stuff made me feel more like Kiss was back. This to me didn't really, just still kind of made me feel like they were still kind of floundering a bit and were finding their footing again as far as I was concerned.
0: Lonnie. Yeah. I don't know. I like, I like that show,
3: but it. Um, I think I think it would have been a good fit right there, but.
1: I know what you're saying. That, I know what you're saying, Mark. That. You know, maybe maybe they weren't quite ready yet at that point. They're still gaining ground in America. Um, but, you know, I go I go back to kind of what you guys were saying too about the hot in the shade. I, I think that would have been the ideal time, as far as timing goes, and, you know, maybe. I don't know. I mean maybe you maybe you do a live three after Animal Eyes and maybe you do doing a live four after after Hot in the Shady. You know? Um they prided themselves on on the live albums. And you know, when a live three came out, I was really excited for it because like Julian, I hadn't experienced, you know, a live album a live the release of a live kiss album. So I was really excited for it and you know i was happy with it at the time i think i was really happy with with what it was and i think when i go back and listen to it now especially after seeing a lot of the revenge shows not only the detroit show but some of the other ones too it doesn't it doesn't really represent to me what the band really sounded like at that time and you know it, it's missing there's quite a bit missing from a live 3 the the just Throw out the hypothetical of when it could have came out, when it didn't come out. You know, from what we got in 1993, there's a lot missing off of that that could have been on that from that revenge from that revenge show. You know, a staple in that lineup with War Machine was a, a highlight of the show with the Statue of Liberty's face crumbling and the change of the set. You know, and and, and it's War Machine. It's a it's a it's a great kiss song. It's you know loved by a lot of, a lot of fans and. And that's missing on it. That it really always kind of, you know, had me puzzled. That that why why'd you leave that off? It's not on either of the allies before. You know, so there's not that reason out there. It, and it was a major part of the set. It was, it was, it was really, kind of kind of blew me away that wasn't on there. And you know, you're, you're missing Shatter, you're missing shattered out loud from the encore. You're you're missing love gun. You're missing some of the real staple kiss songs. So you're gonna go ahead and throw deuce on there, and you're gonna throw rock and roll night on there. What's wrong with throwing Shattered Out Loud and Love Gun on there at that point? You're already going to put those on there. I'm talking too much. Julian left.
0: <laughs> I, I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I totally agree with you on that. Look at Alive 3, um, the international version, and was it the LP? 17 songs, because they may take it off the freaking bonus. Um, look at Kissology 2 and the Detroit... No, that's Detroit 1990, sorry. Um, Revenge in Dayton, which to me is one of the superior bootlegs from the uh, Revenge Tour. That's 27 songs. I mean, sure, Alive Alive would fit on one CD. There's no reason for it to be on two. Alive 2 would fit on one CD, so we can understand the economics of keeping it to one CD, but the amount of fat that was trimmed off what is an incredible set list. I mean, come on, Kiss Performing Twenty Seven Songs is just mind blowing these days when we're struggling to get fifteen out of them. Um you know, and, and what Lonnie what Lonnie said. Yeah, look at the stuff that is not on there. Um you know, it, it it's just it's staggering. Mark
3: Well another another thing actually though that I that was kind of confused about is on the Kiss all one of the Kissology releases, they had a bonus disc that was that show in South America that they did when they brought the uh, the Sphinx set.
0: How right? odd uh, that you mentioned yeah. that. And, and
3: that. And that 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 one I thought would have been a really good one to maybe even have like as the video, like for Kiss Alliance, because I thought that was a really good. I love that show. I thought they played really good. I thought that the, they had all the attitude everything was there, and I I really liked that show. I don't know why they didn't. You know, I know they put it out in a cosology, but why didn't actually make that a the show to put out for the alive three instead of the one that they did? I mean, I thought that was a better show. Just me personally, I don't know if you guys think the same way, but you know, what do uh, you guys
0: think? You know, I agree with you, but that's obviously because we're asylum fans. Well, um, but that that <laughs> well, <that's
1: laughs> the fact that show was in ninety four.
0: Yeah, I I, I mean it, the fact that it's in ninety four doesn't matter to me. Um, as, as a live three as you know the it's pretty much the same material right. you know yeah. the show I would rather rip this to a CD and call that oh. my alive three any day of the week number one the performance number two the set list sound. and, and, and you you're, you're just trying to say it before I get to say it the sound right yeah. <laughs> <Do> it. <laughs> take it Lonnie from there <laughs> you know it it sounds it sounds way better. You know, that's my my biggest complaint of Alive 3 as released. It sounds like shit. It sounds like it's been neutered. It's sonically flat. It has absolutely no no real power. I mean, Bruce's guitar, if you think of how fantastic he is on the Revenge album, those grinding but crystal clear guitars on Alive 3 for me, there's just it there's no character to to the sound. And oh.
3: which which makes me believe more and more that i think eddie kramer's involvement with it is very minimal i mean eddie kramer is known for some pretty ballsy production and guitars and that to me just doesn't seem like an eddie kramer production i know we've talked about it once before somebody in one of the episodes saying that he kind of made a comment that he just almost was hinting that he wasn't really involved in as much as we think he probably is right
0: yeah, I think that that's certainly the the case that he probably wasn't. And I mean, there's notes of his. I mean, he went to several shows and took notes of this and that on on the performances for it. But you know, there's not much in there, is there?
3: No,
1: it's just it's it's lacking the energy that to me it's just lacking the energy that you get that you don't that you get out of like watching that Dayton show or I got like. I have, like, a Cleveland show. Oh, look, my, my phone's going up. I don't know what's going on. Guess sir. And, and um, the, um, the Cleveland show, the Dayton show, and that South America show just had so much more energy. And in the, in the, in the Detroit show, too. Just watch that Detroit show that's on Kissology, and it just has so much more energy than what's translated onto the album itself. Um, you know, and, and like... I love to run. I'm a big runner, and I love to run the music. And even I, and I, I love running to a live. It's a great album to run to. It's just so it's so full of energy. I can't run to a live three because it it just it, it doesn't get me moving. It doesn't get me going. I I have to do something else. I can't run to a live three. It just doesn't have it. It it doesn't. It's just so lacking in my opinion. And I listen to it so infrequently. I actually had to really go back and listen to it this week before we did the show because. It. It doesn't. I mean, I I like the fact that it has five revenge songs on it, but, but it, it doesn't. It's not. It's just not a good representation of what the band sounded like in 1992. I mean, you listen to that. You go watch that show from South America in '94. It's on Kissology three. That's what the band. That's what that lineup to me sounded like and looked like and the energy wise and just everything. That's what Kiss was. That's what that's a the perfect representation of Kiss in that era and not um, what came out on CD at the time to, to showcase the band. It was really disappointing.
0: Ken, what's so. your take on the Sonics? I mean, obviously you saw them in the clubs, which is a on the Revenge Tour, right? So,
2: yeah, I did. I saw them which
0: obviously you're not going to replicate in a concert or on a CD uh, and is a completely different beast. But what's your take on how a Live 3 sounds?
2: Yeah, when I got a Live 3, I remember... It's like well, this doesn't sound like what I was listening to when I saw them either in the club or at, on the you know Revenge tour in uh, Oakland. Um, it was too much. I think trying to put too much in your face <laughs> with the sound. It was it's like just total distortion like overload on their guitars. Um, so like Marcus was saying about the clarity and so on. Um, it's it's not there or maybe it was you julian um maybe everybody (laughs) has the same opinion i think on it it's just it's just too much in your face too much distortion um and again i can't i have a hard time listening to it today it's hard to listen to i can go back to the other live one and two uh, no problem Um, but that one's a real hard listen i don't want to continue listening i'll go to some other album or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's too much, you know, again, and I don't think, uh, like Mark was saying, Eddie Kramer, that is not an Eddie Kramer sounding production, in my opinion. Um, I'd never heard him do anything like that. Uh,
0: So I think it's a Paul Stanley production, to tell you the truth. Yeah, and and probably a Paul Stanley budget half-assed production.
2: Yeah. You
0: know, it, yeah, if, time, yeah. It, it feels rushed and it feels distracted, you know, so it, I'm not trying to not throw Paul under the bus for the album. Um, but I just think there's probably mitigating factors. I went back and listened to the live three CD and I'm like, this is crap. So put out the HD tracks version. It's no better. I mean, so there, there's no way to polish that diamond or polish that turd. You know, it's, it's just going to say that way. What I will say is, Detroit on Kissology 3 is what I'm been listening to this morning right before we we've come on and maybe because it's visual and I'm seeing more of the crowd you're seeing the motion maybe you know that's making my brain happier and it's obviously a different you know recor- uh version of the recording um without whatever else was done to make a live 3 I think that is a far better Alive three, um, for what it is. I mean, how many? Is, I just got to count the songs quickly. It's the same amount of songs. So, but you also get Parasite and Watching You. So, obviously, I'm I'm going to be completely uh, biased with those two songs in there. Um, what do you think of, of that? I mean, how is Detroit on Cosology for you guys as an Alive three, Lonnie?
1: Very good. I, you know, going back going back there earlier. I mean, I think that the Detroit show. And, like, that, that San Paulo show from in 94, they're just so good at what that band was in 93, 94. You know, kind of like what um, Daniel has said when he's been on here, too, that he was, you know, disappointed, almost, when the reunion tour happened because the band was actually sounding so good in 90, you know, in the shows the Revenge tour and, and, like, the shows that took place afterward on the, the few shows that they, the few electric shows that they played after the Revenge tour. And, you know, and I... You know, to a certain extent, I was too because I was, you know, I didn't get to see the Revenge Tour, and I just wanted to see that revenge. I guess wanted to see that revenge lineup just because it sounded so great, and they had so much energy. You know, and I and I knew when the reunion tour happened. Well, we're never gonna go. We're never gonna go backwards. Again. We're not gonna go back to to that again. You know, that that ship has sailed at that point. So yeah, that that Kiss Alley ol- that Detroit show on Kiss Allergy is just the perfect representation. It's too bad that you know it's like the, the production on live three is the way it is and we just couldn't take more just the raw recording and just put it on the disc and be done with it instead of you know hyping in the crowd noise behind it and everything else that that they did to the production and instead of just just let it be just let it be a live kiss recording and just, just let it go i don't you listen to that and it's like well how what do you really need to polish up on this it sounds so it sounds so good and the band sounds so tight live why do why i don't know why mess with it why do to what you did i don't understand that
0: yeah certainly okay, what do you guys think Ken. well let's
2: go ahead All Right. yeah um yeah i think they could have released that just as a the quality's good enough um from castology. Um it would have been nice if they had figured it out at the time and decided to record that for a, the Alive, you know, three at the time, and it would have been even better than what we're hearing on, um, you know, on casology So it would have been good either way. For me, it's 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 a great show. Um, just listening to it, the visuals are great, of course, on the. But, uh, you know, if you don't have the music to back it, who cares about the visuals, right? So, it's it's a good uh, musical document that they could have put out. Mark? Well, honestly, um, I agree
3: with you guys. I think the Detroit show is way better. I mean, I think one of the things that uh, is really interesting about this whole thing is that we're talking about how the sonics of the album is not very good, and... I think it's there again shows the reason why you get somebody like Eddie Kramer, because I mean, a live one, as much as people like it or hate it, that to me sounds like a live record. I mean, as much as it's a overdubbed work, but he knows how to make records sound good in that capacity, even if it's not totally, you know, a live works. I mean, it's an interesting thing because when I went to, one year I went to Chicago to work on something with a producer, I'm sure you guys know him, Neil Kernan, he's done a bunch of stuff with Priest and Queensryche and stuff like that, and he worked on Judas Priest's Unleashed in the East, and he told me a really interesting story about how the vocals had to be replaced on that record, because Rob Halford had some kind of strep throat or problem with his voice. And he pretty much had to redo it all. And what he pretty much did is he threw him on a porch in the backyard of the studio, put a monitor in front of him, gave him a sure 58 mic and said, re-sing it to just the music. And he resung it out there in one take. Apparently this is uh, unbelievable. Like listening to these stories that he was telling me about the making of this record. But I mean, that's the thing. To make, whether that's not regarded as a live album in people's eyes, Neil, Eddie Kramer and these people... Are hired to do these records for a reason because they know how to make a record that's pleasing to people's ears and they want to buy right obviously paul stanley at that point doesn't have the know-how yet to do that and it shows on a live three right i mean it's it's still a decent album but it's not it wouldn't be as good as if eddie was a fully involved member of that production you know and you know, that's just, that's my one grime with it. I mean, obviously, they would have been better off to just take the raw audio from the Detroit show from the Kissology and use that as a release. It would, have, To me, it would have been better than what they did with the with the album, to be honest with you. I like it better. I mean, even, like, I know we were talking about the club shows. One of my friends went to the Toronto club show for the Revenge Club dates, and he told me, he goes, if you got a chance, grab it and check it out. And I've got it from one of the when I went to one of the conventions and, you know, the audio is a little shaky because it's, you know, a handheld video camera microphone, but it was just awesome. And I mean, imagine a board tape of something like that. I mean, even though, you know, it probably wouldn't be as good as maybe like the Detroit show, but even something like that, some of these board tapes sound phenomenal, you know, I mean, a little tweaking here and there, a little bit of mastering here and there, and you can make it pretty, pretty decent and probably more authentic sounding, and what we got with Elias 3. I think that's the main thing is that people kind of heard of Elias 3, and by that point, we're like, eh, I'm not buying it. You know, his raps are not the same in the show that, you know, we like, even people that went to Detroit I went to a convention, and a guy was showing the uh, the bootleg of that show. People were already commenting there saying, I don't remember him saying that. Like, compared to live, I was saying, that's what he said at the show. Why did he say what? Why is he saying what he's saying on the elements and doesn't compute? You know, so I think people kind of clued in by that point already. You know that this is a highly worked-over album, right? So I think that's just the main problem with it. They would have just kept it as is a bit more, and I think people would have dug it a bit better.
0: You know, I think they missed the boat when they in two thousand and six they relieved the Alive nineteen seventy five to two thousand box set. That mm-hmm. would have been a great opportunity. If you think of the tinkering that they did to put Alive and Alive Two on a single C D, Alive Three, well, that is probably the best sounding version of Alive Three. It, mm-hmm. it it's just it doesn't have any scope to go any further, but it, it certainly sounds better than the original C D. You know, had they replaced that C D with the audio from what they released the following year on Kissology, I mean, that would have been, it would have made it a lot more appealing as a package because then, of course you get the Alive 4 Millennium concert, which should have. No thanks. Well, you know, <coughs> you know, that that's almost a show unto itself, but I will say this.
3: Yeah, we'll si- say that. that's, that's a show. Sin-
0: since they released Alive 4 on vinyl back in its proper sequence, and all that, I actually think that's not as bad as I once thought when I first heard the Millennium concert. So, um, enough on that. But getting back to Alive three, the Alive franchise has been on a downward trajectory to me. I mean, you start off in seventy five with Alive, and God bless those people who got to buy that album when it was new, when it was on the shelves. Because, oh my God, as as a late to the party fan, I mean, I've only been a fan for thirty years. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> You know, but you you did miss those first 10 years when they won five World Series or something, you know, Um, to Alive 2. I mean, Alive 2 is not Alive. I mean, the material, the filler. And then you really take Nadir down to Alive 3. And from Lonnie's obvious expression a moment ago, Alive 4 is subterranean. Um, You know, it, it, it was a downward trajectory for the live album. So... I I don't see how Alive 3 could really ever have lived up to expectations when you're measuring it it against such monsters as Alive and Alive 2. Thoughts on that? I mean, was it always going to be a doomed kind of live effort? Was, Was there anything that could have saved it and made it appealing? Lonnie?
1: Yeah, I think it has a lot to live up to, especially at that point in time, especially by the time 93 rolls around. And Alive 1 and Alive 2... Have, become, have been held in such high esteem amongst KISS fans by that point. You know, I mean, they were just untouchable in KISS fans' eyes by that point. And, you know, it, it's almost impossible to live up to um, the reputation that Alive and Alive One have gotten amongst not only rock fans, but amongst KISS fans. And, you know, it, it, it was almost a nearly impossible task for the band to to achieve um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when Guns N' Roses released Years Your Illusion, well, how is it going to stand up to Appetite? Well, you, it, it couldn't stand up to Appetite, you know. And the same reflection with Alive 3, it can't stand up to Alive 1 and Alive 2. It just it just can't because even, even if, even if Alive 3 had better production or if it was closer to that Detroit show, just the way it sounded, I don't... I still think people would say, well, it, it does. Well, it's still not as good as Alive and Alive Too, just just because of the reputation those albums had gotten, especially by that point, you know. And even to this day, the the reputation those two albums have of being just the standard for for live albums and standard for Kiss that it was nearly impossible of a task. Even even if Eddie Kramer was more involved on it, even if it would have been just straight that Detroit show. Um, People still would have had a problem with it. One being that, and, and I remember when it came out too. People had a problem with it. Well, Kiss shouldn't be releasing a live album that isn't Kiss in makeup. Kiss in makeup is what live albums for Kiss are. And I don't, I don't know if you guys remember hearing so. that. I remember hearing people grumbling about that, that. Oh no, you can't do that. Kiss alive as a makeup standard. You can't do that. <laughs> and you know there would there people grumble. There would, you know Kiss fans love to argue with one another and love to grumble about certain things. So you know there I. I I think that it, it was alive as a franchise was too big for
2: alive three to live up to the hype. Ken? Well, <laughs> yeah, live one and live two, you can't, it's going to be hard to uh, match up to that. But still, they, they missed the boat. Um, again, I still think they should have released all, you know, uh, unreleased songs from the first two. The production should have been more. uh, uh, You should have had some air space in between the instruments. It was just too much in your face. uh, The production. Um, I don't know. I'm hoping that they do a live. Where are we up to a live? We don't haven't had a five yet, right?
0: No live five.
2: So, I would hope they would do a live five. That's maybe if they're recording all the um, (laughs) the. was it the Kiss Crew shows, their live performances they've done over the years?
0: Ooh. I'm assuming
2: that they've recorded those.
0: Well, I hope so.
2: Uh, so I'm hoping that they release something there. Maybe they can put like a live five and a lot of those gems that they're singing there that they've never played live uh, and put that out so, in some form, you know. Um, yeah, so just the live three is not going to live up to the other two. I mean Alive Two was my first kid's album, so you're gonna have a hard time living up to, you know, that for me. Uh, uh, even though I, I go back I you know I listened to Alive Two first and then I went back to Alive One and I thought oh, holy you know this was really you know, this is even better than Alive Two. Um it's more of a real live performance feel, like Lonnie was, you know, saying so um yeah, it's gonna have a, it's gonna be a hard time. Any anything coming after it, even now, it's gonna be a hard time. It's a hard time living up to the original six albums, you know. The uh, so it's it's all it's all done. They'd have to do something spectacular to to match those '70s uh, albums or live albums.
0: They no, they never can match it. But in in terms of what Alive Four was, Alive Millennium, um, they really need Alive Five to be redemption. You know, just, they need to undo the blot of those two <laughs> albums, Mark.
3: Honestly, I think the one thing that we all seem to forget about this is that number one, like we all said, it can never match a live one and live two. And I think that's for one very big reason that we haven't mentioned yet is that KISS doesn't have somebody, you know, holding the torch for KISS anymore. Like there's no, you know, there's no more, uh, you know, Neil Bogart who was really supporting them and being rallying their whole thing out there and same with like you know when when they had a jesus why did i keep bringing his name bill of coin Quite like these two people were paramount in getting the hype machine going for this thing. I mean, when when Alive One came out, I mean, they were putting up billboards everywhere, and or Alive Two when it came out, there was like so much promotion going on. I mean, now under the banner of Universal Music, I mean, we're very lucky to even get even a ad here and there or a mention on the radio that Kiss is releasing anything anymore. I mean, it wasn't like it was back then. Times have changed. I mean, Kiss is not as important to these labels anymore. As they once were, and certainly not as important as they were to Bogart and Casablanca, right? So, I mean, that's when Alive One and Alive Two came out. Now Alive Three's out under the big, huge, mighty, you know, manufacturing company of, you know, Universal Music. The, how many acts do they have on there? Like 10 gazillion? So, I mean, in Kiss is in amongst that. So, I can't imagine them diverting a lot of their promotional funds to their stuff. I mean, to them, they probably. You know look at them as something that's on the way out right so think about it i mean even if they make a kiss i mean believe me i want them to do a really great next live album and i think your idea ken is a great idea i think they should make it off of the kiss cruises compile all the best performances make a really awesome live album based out of that because, I mean, some of the songs I've seen them do, like when they dressed up in the Drastic Hill outfits and they played the set like that, some of those songs think, they did were really good. And why not release something like that? I mean, it would be great. Even a, com- a companion video with that, with some of the shows that they did from the cruises, would be fantastic. And the KISS fans, I think, would love it and they would buy it. I mean, sure. But, we you know, we got to remember, this is not 1978 anymore, and KISS is not as important to the world as they once were, unfortunately. And, like I said, I think it mainly really has to do with they don't have a Neil Bogart in their corner anymore to help get this and put it out there and make them sound as over the top and important to the world as people thought they were because he was making them that way, you know?
0: Are you suggesting that Chip Magoo is no Bill coin <laughs> <laughs> or, yes. or Neil Bogart? Yes. Yeah, and, and, you know, I agree totally with that. You know, that it's a different time, it's a different place. You know, the ship has sailed into the suns. Blah blah blah. Um, I like the idea of compiling a lot of the songs from the Kiss, the Kiss cruises. That kind of makes sense. Which means maybe in 2025 we can do an episode about how they missed the boat on doing that. Because <laughs> no. you know, I I, re- I really don't see that happening. No pun you, intended
2: on the <laughs> Missing the
0: boat. E- even if they, you know, even if they have recordings, I just don't see them doing that. Um, for the obvious reason that it, it's just too obvious. Yeah. Um, I, I would almost expect, a, you know, maybe it. a kiss alive X, you know, the X factor, go back and do it. The entertainment and death way, take the recordings. You know, I'm looking at, uh, that, uh, King Biscuit broadcast from 84, um, that's up on Wolfgang's. I mean, you got, give me more, um, all hell's breaking loose. You know, songs that have not been released live, that have been aired in a live format, I'm pretty sure they could put together the X-Factor of KISS live performances of all these songs.
1: And, and there's quite a few, like, on those um, Rock the Nation lives, um, Instant Lives that they did, too, with All the Way yeah. and with Love Are All I Can and, and There's the Tears Are Falling that they did. You know, there's a few times that they did that. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there like that. I mean, and going back, going back to what you're saying about, you know, like, um, a live, t- a live three, you know, the revenge, the uh, Detroit show. Why didn't they just release it just as is? By the time two thousand four comes around, they have the balls just to, with the lineup that they have, to release the show immediately after, after it's done. Um, and and those, you know, the sound on those people have. Some people I know have a problem with some of the sound on those instant lines and that. But they're that was a really. Fun time for me to go yeah. and get as many of those as I could, you know, and and hear like the the different song each, you know, they rotate a song in and out. That was really good, even with with that lineup. And you know, the Revenge lineup is just as strong in my opinion. That you know, by the time two thousand four comes around, you, you know, you have the guts to just put out the, the show immediately for people to go up, go out and buy. And, you know, going back to the Detroit shows, too bad they just didn't say, you know what. That was great. Just
0: put it out as his <laughs> Yeah, I'll agree with you on the Rock of the Nation. I mean, the, and they recorded them in with the same gear, presumably. Mm-hmm. They'd have a pretty similar setup. I'm pretty sure they could go back and make a live album out of that, even though the tour was a failure, uh, you know, financially. revenge tours. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I'm trying to count the number of songs, and there's a hell of a lot of songs that were performed in 2004. Um, I mean, you mentioned them, but you also mentioned Tears Are Falling. And that brings me to kind of one of a couple of closing questions about Alive 3. What is the song or songs that you think are most missing from Alive 3? For me, Tears Are Falling. You know, obviously, they've been something of a minor, very minor hit. and since it, it was performed during the tour, it, it seems to be a major omission from the album. Um, but Lonnie, what would be your your song or songs that you most wanted to have on a live three that aren't there?
1: You know, obviously tears are falling. And, you know, going back to, you know, Kiss trying to, between a live album, you know, what what's missing since a live two to a live three that, sh- that should be captured on a live album? You know, like it or not, like the song or not, Crazy Nights isn't on there. And, you know, I think that was, a, wasn't a huge hit for him, but it was a substantial enough hit for him, and, and got enough radio play and enough play on MTV, that why isn't, why isn't Crazy Nights on there? Tears are falling on there. And earlier, like I said, War Machine. That not being on there, is just, that's still mind-blowing to me, that War Machine isn't on there. But Those three, in my opinion, are, are just really head-scratchers. why, they aren't on there, especially trying to capture an era in between, in between live albums, and *Parasite* too, for that matter. Even though it's not a live
3: one.
0: Yeah, but you version. could like, a version of
3: *Parasite* with Personary. Awesome. You, just,
0: you just can't go wrong with that, Mark.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to totally agree with Lottie. I mean, I think that the tears are tears are falling. I mean, why that's not on there is I don't understand. And I think there's. I think I remember on a might have been a podcast episode where they were playing a bootleg version of it from a show where paul stanley goes and says that they're gonna play it tonight and that if they play it good tonight that it might make it on the record and they played it and we you know you listened to it and i thought it was a really good version of it why did not end up using it i mean who knows maybe there was a technical issue maybe something went wrong somewhere with the tape or who knows what but i mean from the bootleg that i heard from that show Sounded like a good performance. There was no muck-up. Nobody made any errors, so why that wasn't on there? Who knows? I mean, like you said, too, I I think Parasite should have been on there, too. That's a great song, and I love the way they did it with Bruce and with Eric. It was just so much more punchier and just so much heavier and just the way they played. I mean, I know Ace always said, oh, they don't play it right because they don't play it as sloppily as him at the beginning, right? But big deal. I think it's better the way Bruce does it, to be honest, but... I've always been a big Bruce fan anyway, so, but, uh, you know, that's, those two really stand out as being songs that are missing from it, I mean, like, I agree to War Machine" should have been on there, they played it during a tour, why wasn't it on there, right? But, I mean, to me, the biggest omission is Tears Are Falling, like I said, and also because of the fact that I've actually heard a performance of it from that tour, why? That's really all I gotta say, why is that not on there?
0: Yep. And and good call on War Machine. I I completely skipped over that. Ken, yeah I agree. Um, Tears are falling. Uh, should have been on there.
2: War Machine definitely. Um, that was for sure on my list too. That's gotta play. Uh, you just gotta play that one, or and put it on the uh, the album. The other one uh, I would have liked to have heard. All Hell's Breaking Loose. Yeah, good call. Good call. I mean. That would have been a great one to hear live. I love that song, but uh, and I know there's there's probably a couple others that they could have done. Again, they could have put even they could have done pulled a alive two and put all all the newer songs from the '80s and then and up to '90 or whatever '92 and um, and then they could have put uh, like a fourth side. Well not a fourth side on a CD, but technically. But uh, they could have put added a few new songs on there, maybe just record a few new ones just to throw them on there. Um, or unreleased, even unre- unreleased, something unreleased uh, would have been nice. That kind of would have stirred some interest for me more so than what they did uh, with, with this production.
0: Yeah, in case you're wondering why I'm up and down looking, um, I'm, I'm counting up the minutes on the album. I can't remember in 93 what the limits were on a CD, because I know we didn't get to 80 minutes on CDs um, in, in, initially. But a, a live three without Take It Off um, is one hour and 10 minutes, so 70 minutes, leaving 10 minutes available capacity. Uh, you know, with the start... Um, Actually, I'm sorry, without Star Spangled Banner, which I just never saw why, why the hell that should be on an album. Um, uh, that's released worldwide because, you know, most of the rest of the world doesn't give a damn about Star Spangled Banner. No offense, United States of America, forgive me. Um, so there, there's plenty of room for those extra songs, and All Hells Breaking Loose, fantastic catch on that one as well. Because, you know, the, the, kind of the importance of that song, again, Eric Carr. And it brings him back into the picture as well. But let's think of... I'd like to try and start wrapping this up with saying something good about Alive 3. Um, you know, what What are your favorite songs of this? And I'm going to kick this off, and Lonnie's going to smile. Because I, I think the Revenge songs on this are absolutely fantastic. Um, but song number one, Creatures of the Night, is my top pick off this album. From the get-go, it's... Everything that Alive 3 should have started out with. Simple as that. Opening track, Creatures of the Night, win. Um, And it sounds good, the performance. While sonically it's not as pleasing on Alive 3, it's still a good performance of the song. Um, I actually like Unholy on Alive 3 more than I do on Revenge. Just how it's performed works for me. So those are going to be my picks. But all of the stuff off Revenge... That made it onto the album is decent. So I said something good about Revenge today, and and Lottie and can smile all weekend. Slowly but sure. Yeah, Ken, Ken, what would be your your picks on you know, the good stuff?
2: The good stuff uh, for me, like you said, Creatures of the Night was is great. Off of that's a great great start to that whole performance. Um, even I even like Deuce, uh, that worked well for me on that. Uh, um, Unholy, not as much, I mean, maybe that works better even on this than in real Unholy in concert uh, because that one's just never worked fully, you know, for me in concert, seeing them when I was there, not as much as it it did uh, maybe on on this performance. Um, And then maybe, you know, Watching You uh, is another one I like a lot on this. So those are the for me, the standouts, um,
0: um, I do have take it off on mine cause I, I have a vinyl version which they put the, uh, yep. the take it off on there. But, uh, uh, yeah, I
2: think those, those are the pretty much the ones I like.
0: Mark.
3: Yes. Um, well, I think I'm going to agree with everybody else on this. I mean, I think creatures at night is the great opener. I think, to be honest, I think the one-two punch of Creatures into Deuce is really strong. I think it's one of the things that I was kind of smiling about when I first got the record. I was like, wow, this is." it started off with a pretty good bang, you know? And uh, I always thought that was a great performance. I thought that Bruce Kulick especially shined on, on the Creatures. I thought he played that really, really well. Probably one of the better performances of Creatures I've heard for a long time. Um, and actually, my other favorite on here, surprisingly, because it's never really been... A favorite off of Alive when I had it, but it's, I like the version of it on here. Is Watching You? I think it's really good. I think it's, it's again. I think it's one of those songs where it benefits from Bruce Kulick's more preciseness of guitar playing, whereas Ace has a little bit more of a looser hand on songs like that. But don't get me wrong, I like Ace's version too. But I think Bruce's is a little bit more technically precise and pleasing to the ear for me, and uh, I really like that version of the song i think it's uh, one of the definite standout tracks from here like you said i mean the, most of the songs on here are, are pretty good the only song on here i don't just don't like the live version of is unholy to be honest i just think because Jean seems to have a little bit of trouble hitting those upper registers live on that song you know in the studio it's easy enough to do it a thousand times till you get it right but live is a different animal altogether right so but as a whole i think you know The songs are not too bad on here, but those two are probably my favorite selections. The whole one two of Creatures and Deuce and and then the watching you is definitely a the dark horse favorite for me.
0: Yeah, and and Deuce, of course, I mean, they were performing that live on TV around the time, Arsenio Hall, you know, is one of the best ever performances of Deuce, so they were locked in on that in the, in the period. You know, great great pick on watching you as well, I mean, I, I didn't think of that. And we've kind of turned this into the good, the bad, and the ugly, so let's have the ugly. What is your least favorite track on this album, as is Lonnie?
1: Least favorite album is it's gotta be Forever, I really don't like Version that they put out on that. I understand why they put it out for because it was a big hit for him, but I just don't like the way it translates onto the album at all. I think it's it's really lacking, in my opinion. Um, it just doesn't do it for me. I know that I was made for loving you. though they didn't even play that in concert, but I think that that's not too bad in all. I in in my eyes, anyway, it's not too bad, but. I think "Forever" is just is a is a is a next just a skip over when that comes on. Just not that I dislike the song; I like it on "Hot in the Shade," but it, it just does does not translate well onto the live record, in my opinion, at all.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on that one. I love "Forever" as a song and "Hot in the Shade." You know, it it's really nice. It's very very nice, um, but it doesn't stand up when you've got "I Still Love You" on the same album. It, the performance of it just does not measure up to the kind of the power and emotion, you know, that Paul pulls into the other song. Mark, least favorite.
3: Well, I gotta give uh, two thumbs down for rock and roll night on this one. Because for personally, if you're gonna be doing a record where you're gonna be concentrating on other songs and kind of, you know, trying to make it bit more new material as well, and I mean, obviously, Rock and Roll Night to them in this set list was not probably the big song anymore, because they put it in a smack dab in the middle of the set before this was your closer, and now all of a sudden, it's right in the middle, and you know, it's over and done in two minutes, and bam, thank you very much, and really, I just, I don't know what they were trying to prove with putting it there in that set, by, by putting it in the middle, but... I just don't like it. I mean, I'm I'm so over "Rock and Roll Night" as a song. Anyways, I mean, if I don't hear it again for the rest of my life, I'll be a happy guy. But you know, it's it's just I don't know. Just I just think they could have put something else better in its spot than that. I don't like that. Ten uh, for me, it's
2: a toss up between "Forever" or "I Was Made for Loving You." Those could have been <clears throat> dropped. And replaced with something else. Um, they kind of they're kind of different from the rest on there. So, um, and of course, the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. go Nothing go against, against go. the Star Spangled Banner, no. but they don't need it on this Alive Three.
0: No, it's such a shame when we have to qualify not wanting "Star Spangled Banner" on an album that anyone might think being unpatriotic or whatnot. But not, I'm not American. Obviously, I do live here and I do respect it. Uh, But I just don't think it's needed. The only time I want to hear "Star Spangled Banner" is if Jimi Hendrix is doing it because that's a seminal, you know, performance from Woodstock. So, you know, whatever. All right. Alive Three. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, that we haven't covered? Because I'm surprised we're able to talk about Alive Three this long. To be to be perfectly frank, I, I was a little bit concerned that you know Alive Three not being a favorite album of mine is a struggle to listen to. And on those few occasions that I queue up all the Alive albums or all all the live albums, it's really one that I've often found myself skipping through more just because it doesn't sound great rather than the songs, you know, not being performed well. Um, I mean, it's never going to be near the top of my, my list, because if I if I take any Alive, I'm going to be the original, um, just because of the material. But, uh, you know, any 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 last thoughts, Ken?
2: Well, um, while it's not the greatest production, the one thing I'm happy about that when he did Alive 3 is they had the meet-and-greet at the time going on, and where they, uh, you know, you had to pick up the... I've told the story before where you buy the album at the store and they give you a little back uh, a pass, it's like a a sticker that you peel off and it says a live three pass, whatever, to go meet them and it was in San Francisco, I think, and um, so I was, you know, I don't know how many people went, but it was probably about 500, waited a line and walked through the line and and, uh, shook their hands and got autographs, right? And I... I put the autograph on, I, the, I had the inner fold out of the family tree or the band's tree and uh, and had them all four signs, sign that. So I still have that. So that, if I no Live 3, I wouldn't have been able to meet them at that point, you know, in person. That's uh, cool. For the first time. That was the first time. I, so that was, that was a, a bonus there for me. So that's the best thing about Live 3 for me.
0: And much cheaper than it costs to meet them now.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. That was freaking
0: doesn't get any better than that. Mark?
3: Uh, well, I mean, like we said, I mean, I'm not surprised that we were able to talk about it this long, because I think, frankly, when it comes to Kiss, there's always something to say, and usually when you start talking about stuff like this, it just keeps coming and coming and coming, and next thing you know, an hour's passed, right? So. Um, But I mean, as far as the record goes, I mean, it's not my most hated KISS record by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not anywhere near the top, as we all agree. Um, One of the things that I was, I guess, happy about in getting a live three was that when we bought it here, I don't know how it was in the States, but in Canada, when we bought it on the first week that it came out, it came with this really cool poster with Gene blowing fire. That was like a huge poster that came with him just blowing the the fire there. And I remember, I think I still have it somewhere packed away in my house here somewhere. But it's uh yeah, it was always one of those posters that I had donned up in my rehearsal studio with my bands. It was whenever we moved to a new rehearsal spot, that poster was the first thing that went out boom. Right in the middle of the room and, you know, then he knew it was our rehearsal spot, right? So that's one memory that Kiss Alive three has given me was it always makes me I think back to my jam spaces that I used to have when we were jamming.
0: So that that's cool guys. I mean um, everyone out there listening, you know, thanks for listening with us today. But you know, when you go out there and maybe revisit Alive Three this weekend, um, you know, chime in on Facebook or on the YouTube page or on the Kiss FAQ topic that we'll have on this about you know what you think Alive should have, Alive Three should have been, um, because it's going to vary for everyone. Um, you know, we'd love, we'd love to hear what songs you think should have been on there. I know we, we've left out some gems like Give Me More, you know. Maybe that should have been on <laughs> who, who knows? Maybe maybe you're one of those people who thinks Bang Bang you should definitely have been on that album, you know. So uh, come to either of those three places and, you know, let us know what you think. But uh, we certainly thank you all for listening today. And Ken and Lonnie and Mark, I thank you for joining me. So uh, thank you all, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the Kiss FAQ message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today. We hope to see you again.